Well, good morning, Good Shepherd. If you don't know me, my name's Devin Tharp. I'm the family pastor here, and it's my privilege to be able to share the message with you this morning. If you have your Bibles, you can turn with me to Philippians chapter 2. We're going to be looking at verses 3 through 8 in just a few moments. And as you locate that on your phone or in your Bible, just want to remind you about what we believe about the Bible here at Good Shepherd. And you may not believe this yet, that's fine with us. We just want you to know where we stand in leadership of our church. And that's, we know that the Bible is actually not a book. It is a library. It actually contains 66 different books written by a lot of authors over a long span of time. And we believe that this library is unlike any other. That in a way beyond our comprehension, it is inspired by God. It's eternal and it's true. And so whenever we get ready to read scripture at Good Shepherd, we do this, we have this custom, we decide we're gonna lift it up. It's just a way for us to acknowledge God's authority in our life and our willingness to say, we don't have life figured out, but we know the one who does, amen? One other thing I'd love is if you would pray for me as you pray with me. Heavenly Father, we acknowledge that you are the potter and we are the clay. So Lord, we wanna be here this morning and allow your Holy Spirit to mold and shape us into who you designed us to be. Lord, take my words, take this time, allow these moments we have together to transform our hearts and change our minds and renew us in our spirit of living towards you and living in our relationship with you. We love you, Jesus. In your name we pray, amen. Well, we are in week three of this series called Relationships, and we've been talking about these five connections, these five bonds that are true in any relationship, whether you're, you're, you have a friendship uh, with somebody, a coworker, or dating, or married, these five bonds are true for every single relationship. And so will you say them with me, loud and proud, okay? Know, trust, rely, commit, and touch. And today we're gonna to be focusing in on rely, but before we get there, I wanna remind you of some foundational truths about every relationship. Because in each one of these areas, there, there are truths that we need to be aware of that impact our relationship. But let's say we have a good relationship, we have a solid, healthy relationship, and it's, it's going well. But here's the first law or the first rule of every relationship is that life happens and it's naturally going to deflate our relationship. This is what life is doing all the time in every single connection with other people. It is always pulling and tugging on our relationships. That's just, that's just the reality because life happens, which means change comes, and when change comes, it impacts directly our relationships. So that's kind of the first foundational truth. Secondly, it's that relationships do not run themselves. So when life pulls our relationships down or our connections down, they don't auto-correct. Uh, they don't self-correct. They don't automatically go, oh, man, we need to bring it back up to a decent level. That, that doesn't happen. Relationships do not run themselves. They require us to manage them. And so the third one is that if that, all those things are true, life happens, it pulls on our connections, and, and relationships do not run themselves, then frequent realignments are gonna be necessary for successful and healthy relationships to happen. 
We're gonna have to reconnect with the other person. We're gonna have to have conversations or maybe in a marriage, a date night, or maybe in a friendship, hey, let's just go out and enjoy some time together. We need to reconnect if we're gonna keep those relationship bonds healthy and strong. And so those foundational truths are true for any relationship. It's just natural that, that, that our relationships are always being impacted by the world around us. And so today we're gonna to focus on rely, but let's remind ourselves where we've been. Every relationship starts with no, right? I mean, you can't start a relationship without knowing someone. You have to get to know them first. So that's the very first step. And the second step is building trust. And what John Van Epp, the author of the relationship attachment model says, is that when we build a knowledge and an understanding of a person, we start to form a trust picture of them in our mind. Because trust is primarily what we think about when we think about that other person. And so today we're moving into the category of rely. And I, I couldn't, when I started working on this message, I, I couldn't do it without asking myself kind of an obvious question, what or who do I rely on in my life? And so I made a little list, and I, I bet as I go through the list, some of the things on my list will probably be similar to maybe some of the things you would put on your own list. I mean, the first thing I put on my list was, of course, the Lord. I rely on him. I wouldn't have life or breath in this moment without him. Secondly, I put on my list my wife, Tia. We've been, been married for 24 years, and I rely on her for so much. I mean, she helps me meet my physical needs like she feeds me, and she feeds me well. And I'm so grateful, so grateful for that. But you all know me, you've seen me up here before, I'm usually crying, and so I have emotional needs. She helps me with that. Um, spiritual needs, we connect about our relationship with the Lord, and, and also just social needs, friendship. She is my best friend. I rely on her for so, so much. And then I thought about my kids next, because I, I have two teenagers at home, and, and we have some property and some animals. Sometimes I feel like we're running a small zoo at our house. And so there's a lot to do. There's just a lot of responsibility. And, and I rely on my kids to help take care of the animals, take care of the house and the property. They do so much, and I rely on them for that. And then I thought about my relationships here with the staff of Good Shepherd and the people I work with, the co-laborers in the kingdom. And I, I can just tell you, we have a tremendous staff at Good Shepherd. I mean, they are phenomenal. And we have such great chemistry, such strong friendships. Some of my best friends are here on staff at this church, and I love them. And within my area, within family ministry, I've got this team of people who know me well, and they still love me the same. And I am so, so grateful for that because I rely on them for so much. I have so many weak areas and they fill in those gaps. So I'm so grateful for how I can rely on them. But then I started thinking outside the realm of just relationships and people that I rely on. I started thinking about what else do I rely on in my life? And immediately I thought of something that I rely on every single week. And I bet a whole lot of you in this room rely on it too because I totally rely on Amazon. <laughs> I mean, what did we do before Amazon? I mean, how in the world did I get stuff? I had to go to the store and like pick it out and bring it out. I mean, I rely on Amazon for so, so much. And because there are things I need in my life. I mean, like the 80s date night happening this weekend, I need a Hulkamania t-shirt and tie-dye leggings, okay? <laughs> I need those things in my life. 
And Amazon promises me they will be delivered tomorrow to my front door. And so here's what happens. I mean, I count on Amazon. We count on Amazon. We trust that Amazon is going to deliver. And we find that item on Amazon that we absolutely love. I can't live without. I have to have this thing I found on Amazon. And so we form in our mind a trust picture of Amazon's reliability, of them being able to follow through because they say, I have the item. If you pay for it, we will process it and ship it and it will be at your front door tomorrow. And we go, we believe Amazon will do that. And then what happens? We give them our credit card information, we pay for that item, and it shows up tomorrow on our front door. And we go, Amazon is reliable. We can count on them to come through. And this is the reason Jeff Bezos is a billionaire. And it's incredible. So there are people that we rely on in our lives, and there are also people who rely on us. And sometimes, Sometimes in our relationships, we're reliable. People can count on us. We, we have good follow through. We're kind of like Amazon, like you count on us, we'll come through. But then sometimes, sometimes in our relationships, we let people down because we have that time when we forget the birthday or the anniversary or we miss that game that was so, so important or we fall back into that pattern of behavior that's negative pattern of behavior that we said last time we would never do that again. And we disappoint. And we start thinking to ourselves, why do I keep letting people down? Why do I keep disappointing the people that I say I love the most? So how do we get better in our follow through? How do we become people who can consistently be relied upon to come through for others. Well, Paul, pastor and missionary and author of most of the New Testament, he has some great, great words of wisdom in Philippians chapter two. And if you have your Bibles, we're gonna look at that. And as we turn there, of course, we, when we read scripture at Good Shepherd, we have to be reminded that context is everything, right? So we gotta know a little bit of context. Let me give you some context of what's happening in this passage. Paul is in prison in Rome. He could easily be thinking about himself and what's going on in the world around him, but he's not. He's thinking about these people in the city of Philippi, and he wants to write a letter to them to encourage them in their faith. And so he puts together this letter, and he knows some of the struggles in the Philippian church. And Philippi is a city at the crossroads between Europe and Asia. So it's a very diverse city. It's full of people from all different kinds of walks of life from all different kind of belief systems. And so there's a lot of diversity converging in this one city. And so Paul wants to write to them and encourage them how they can have healthy relationships, solid relationships, and how they can lean into their faith and be united in their faith in Christ. And so that's where we pick up Philippians chapter two and verse three. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Man, I love Paul. He does not hold back, does he? He just, boom, right at you. Uh, that's such a strong challenge, right out of the gate. He says, look, don't make it all about you. Rather, verse three, in humility, value others above yourselves. Now notice how humility and valuing others here works together because valuing others requires humility. But let's ask ourselves the question, what is humility? I mean, how do we define humility? 
I found this quote that I love. It's Rick Howard and Jamie Lash. They say this, real humility is not thinking less of ourselves, but thinking of ourselves less. Man, that is good. It's not devaluing yourself. It's not devaluing who you are and the gifts and ability God's given you, but it's elevating people around you. It's seeing their needs as primary and your needs as secondary. You see, humility dethrones us. It replaces selfishness with selflessness. Paul continues, verse four. Not looking to your own interest, but each of you to the interests of others. We could substitute the word needs there for interest. Not looking to your own needs, the needs that you have, but each of you to the needs of others. Paul reminds the Philippians and and reminds us through them that we need to be seeing the needs of other people around us. We need to understand what are the needs of the people that I'm with. You see, Paul knew that there was some serious disunity in this church. That was one of the major problems in this Philippian church. And part of the issue there was selfishness and pride. And we replace selfishness and pride. The solution to selfishness and pride is always selflessness and humility. Because selfishness always creates division and selflessness always creates connection. You know, Jesus had some similar words to what Paul's saying here in Luke chapter six, verse 31. You might not know that reference, but you know the verse because it's do unto others as you would have them do what? Unto you. It's the golden rule. Treat other people the way you would like to be treated. So Jesus and Paul align with the same concept in how you treat people. Then Paul continues and he gives us an example of what what does humility and selflessness actually look like? Verse five. In your own relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be, u- to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross." Jesus, part of the Trinity of God, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, steps out of heaven and he steps onto earth and he steps into flesh. And in that process, he humbles himself. He becomes a servant and he is willing to give his life, to give his very life for the needs of us. Because when we needed, the greatest need that you and I will ever have in our life was paid in full on the cross. Jesus was willing to pay the price that each of us owed, and he took our place there. You see, Jesus is the greatest example of humility we will ever find. He put our needs above his own needs. And Romans 5, 8 reminds us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That when we turn our back on God, when we're heading in the other direction, that is the moment Jesus was willing to lay down his life on the cross for you and for me. Jesus is the ultimate example of humility and selflessness, and he proved it on the cross. That's why what I want you to know this morning, Good Shepherd, is count on Jesus as others count on you. 
Count on Jesus as others count on you. Because when you're counting on him, when you're leaning into your relationship with Jesus, other people can start relying on you because you've got somebody solid, somebody faithful who is always gonna be there. Other people can rely on you when you're relying on him. And as you build that relationship with Jesus, as you have that connection, here's what begins to happen, is we actually begin to take on the attributes of Jesus himself. We start seeing through his eyes. We see the needs of other people rather than just the needs of ourselves. We start noticing the ways that we can meet those needs because we value others more than ourselves. We start becoming humble. That's what happens when we're in that living relationship with Jesus. Count on Jesus as others count on you. You know, I started serving in the local church when I was just 19 years old. So I've been serving people and serving the church and Jesus for, you know, a couple years. And, uh, and I've loved it. I have absolutely loved ministry in the local church. But, but I have to be honest, there have been so many times, countless times in my ministry career where I was faced with a situation where I had to be honest with myself and say, I do not have what it takes for this moment. I don't have what it takes. Moments when I had to have a conversation with somebody and I thought to myself, I do not know what to say. Sometimes I knew what to say and I didn't know how to say it. But you know what? Praise the Lord, I have never done ministry alone. I've never had to face difficult situations by myself because Jesus has always been there. He has always been in the middle of that difficult circumstance, walking alongside me, guiding me, directing me. Sometimes I didn't listen to him. Sometimes I wasn't obedient. But so many times I look back and I think I would not have made it through that moment without Jesus guiding and directing me because he is the faithful one. He is the one that is totally reliable. He is the standard of reliability. So when we want others to count on us, we've got to have somebody that we can count on. And Jesus Christ is his name. Count on Jesus as others count on you. I think it'd be cool this morning. I know we couldn't do this, but it'd be pretty fun for me. I'd love to just kind of open up the floor and say, let's go around the room and let's share circumstances where you relied on Jesus. Because I know there'd be so many stories in the room of moments where you said to yourself, I can't make it through this season. There's no way. I don't have what it takes. I don't have the strength. I don't have the endurance. But you relied on Jesus and he got you through. You've had moments in your life where you faced something that was so terrible, so horrific, you didn't know what you were going to do. But you remembered your relationship with Jesus. You leaned on him. You counted on him, and he came through. He gave you what you need in that moment because that's what Jesus does. He equips us. He empowers us. He enables us to live the life he's asking us to live. Count on Jesus as others count on you. I was serving at a church in Wisconsin as a youth pastor. This is a few, few years ago, and we were getting ready for a mission trip to Haiti. This was back in 2010, right after Haiti was just ravaged by a terrible earthquake. And so we are gathering some students and some adults to go to Haiti to, to do some good, to help. And I remember having a team meeting and I was explaining to the students how we were gonna do support raising. 
And what I meant by that was we were going to raise both prayer support and also financial support. And so I explained to each of the students, you're going to have to raise a certain amount of money. But we're not just going to look at individually how we do. We're going to look at the team total. Because we're going to rely on each other in the spirit, in the the spirit of Acts chapter 2. We're going to put everything together and know that God is going to come up with the funds and the prayer support that we all need. Well, at the end of the meeting... I had this young man come up to me, kind of quiet and sheepish, and he, he said, Devin, I'm, I'm really worried. I, I think I'm gonna let the team down. I said, well, wh- what makes you say that? He said, well, I, I just am not gonna be able to raise the funds that I need. I know my friends and I know my family, and they're not gonna support this trip the way that I'm gonna need it. I said, well, let me ask you a question. Do you believe that God has called you to go on this trip? He said, oh, absolutely. I know he's calling me to go. I said, well, do you think that God could figure out a way to resource you and bring the support that you need? He said, well, I wanna believe that, but I just don't think he's gonna do that through my family. I said, well, I understand. Let's do this, let's pray. Let's invite God into this situation. Let's ask him to do what only he can do and let's see what God does. Let's just trust in him. Well, that young man, long story short, he didn't raise the $1,200 he needed to raise to go to Haiti. He raised $1,800. And I still, (laughs) gotta happen. I I had it all morning, (laughs) dang it. I still remember getting, this is, this is back before we did support raising through digital means. We did it with paper. We wrote actual letters and we mailed them to people. And I still remember getting one of his cards back from his uncle. And on the card, you had to check a box. And the box said, I will pray for you and I'll support your trip with X number of dollars. And I remember his uncle, who was an adamant atheist, he crossed out, I will pray for you. And he wrote in the margin, I will not pray for you but here's $400 for your trip. (laughs) Count on Jesus and others count as others count on you. You can rely on him because he is the faithful one. I love the the verse, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, trust in the Lord. You probably love it too. If you've been going to church, you've heard that over and over again. But the challenging question for me in this model is that when I say I trust the Lord, do I really rely on him to meet my needs? Or do I just say those words? Do I really trust that he's gonna come through? Am I relying on the one who is faithful again and again and again? Or am I really trying to rely on myself? Count on Jesus as others count on you. You see, trust and reliance, they work in tandem. They go hand in hand because reliance proves trust to be accurate. Because if you have trust, but you have no reliance, you have wishful thinking. But if you have reliance and you have no trust, you have blind dependence, neither of which are healthy in a relationship. That's not a healthy model for how to go about building a solid relationship. These two have got to work together. They've got to work in tandem. The famous phrase that we always say that really connects with this is trust is earned. You gotta earn trust. Well, what does this look like practically? Like what does it look like in our everyday lives and our everyday relationships? How do we go about building better trust and reliance in our friendships and our dating relationships, even in our marriages? Well, I made a, a short list, some things that I wanna share with you because I believe the answer to that question 
is that we need to do small things well because the small things really add up when it comes to building trust and reliability. So here's the list. You can jot some of these things down. First of all, is that we need, we need to be consistent. We need to be consistent. Show up on time. Do the things that you said you were gonna do. When you are consistent, you're showing reliability again and again. Secondly, be available. I mean, are the people who need to access you able to reach you at any given moment when they have a need? Be consistent, be available. Third, be responsive. Be responsive. Or when you see a need of somebody that you love, somebody that you care about, are you willing to step in and meet that need in a moment's notice? Sometimes responsive is just that, respond. Like respond to that text, respond to that email. So many times we wanna just ignore it, we wanna ghost someone, we need to step in and be responsive. Finally, stay engaged, stay engaged. Ask good questions, give your own point of view. If you're in a conversation, talk and show that you value somebody through the way you see them with your eyes. Connect with their eyes. Staying engaged is so much about showing somebody value and connection. Those are, those are small things, small acts that can really make a big difference in building our relationships. And I bet there's some of you here that, that are even challenged by those. Some of those you might go, Devin, I don't, I don't know that I can do that right now. I'm just not in a healthy place. I'm not in a place where I can do it. Here's my challenge to you. Pray and ask the Lord to help. Jesus doesn't just wanna help in the big areas of our life. He wants to help in the small areas that make a big difference in our relationships. For me personally, to, to personalize this, the small act that I need to do is I need to take the dirty dish and put it in the dishwasher. I mean, I can, I'm not lazy. I can go outside and mow the entire property, but I don't know what it is about lifting that dish and opening that door and putting it down in the dishwasher. It's just not natural for me. And believe it or not, this has come up once or twice in my marriage. <laughs> yeah, because T and I have different perspectives on dirty dishes in the sink. I don't see her perspective, she doesn't see mine. But here's what I know. If I want my reliance and my trust score to stay high in my marriage, I have got to put that dirty dish in that dishwasher. Because that small act is a big deal in my house, in my relationship with her. That's the small way that can make such a big difference in building trust and building reliability. For those of you who are engaged, and you're building knowledge and trust and reliance in your new relationship, you're looking forward to your wedding day, I wanna remind you to become the subject matter expert of your future spouse. That's kind of a term that they use in the military. It's for somebody who's specialized. They have a specialized understanding and expertise in a specific field. And you should, if you're engaged, you should become the subject matter expert of the, of the person you're getting ready to marry. You should know more about them because as you get to know them, you know their needs, that's a prerequisite to meeting their needs. If you're married today, you should already be the subject matter expert of your spouse. Nobody should know your spouse the way you do. You should know their needs and their wants and their desires. You should know their dreams because that's gonna lead to so much great 
connection. Speaking to those of you who are married, I want to go back to the beginning and remind you of that second law of relationships, that relationships do not run themselves, that eventually the feelings of closeness and connection are going to run dry. And I find that in marriage, so many times we just coast. We just go day to day, dealing with the kids, dealing with the logistics, dealing with the calendar, and we just allow relationships to coast. I read a study a couple weeks ago. A group of researchers followed couples from the time they started dating to the time they were married for one year. And they used a label. It was the label of the relationship manager. Who was the person in the relationship that was managing the relationship? And what they found is at the beginning, during dating and even through most of engagement, they found that men were the ones who were predominantly the relationship managers. They were initiating conversations and fun nights out and dates, adventure. The closer they got to the wedding, the less the man became involved and the more women stepped into into the relationship manager role. Well, fast forward a year after they'd been married, And guess what they found? That men, for the most part, were not the relationship managers at all. They had become almost completely passive in their relationship, not initiating fun or date nights or adventure or even times of conversation. Now, don't hear what I'm not saying. I think both parties need to be connecting relationally and and manage the relationship. But men, hear this. If we are sitting back and being passive, something is terribly wrong. We need to step into the opportunity of initiating fun and adventure and opportunities to have conversation because when we do, we build trust, we build reliance, we strengthen our partnership with our spouse. One more thing. There might be some here or maybe listening online and you look at your marriage and you have to admit that it's broken. Your marriage is just in a place where it feels like there is no hope. And I just want, first of all, I wanna tell you, I'm sorry that you're in that position. But I wanna remind you of something. If anybody can bring restoration and redemption to a broken relationship, it is Jesus. He can restore, he can redeem. Because if anybody knows anything about bringing something from death to life, it is Jesus Christ. And he can bring restoration and redemption to anything that's broken. So don't give up on your marriage just yet. Pray and ask God. Count on Jesus to do a miracle in your relationship because he can. Relationships are hard. They can be so challenging, yet they can also be so rewarding. And as we navigate through the difficult waters of relationships, we have to be reminded that in the middle of that, Jesus is there with us, that he's the stable one. He's the faithful one. He's the one we can always count on. Count on Jesus as others count on you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you and we praise you that you are so good to us that even when we are not faithful to you, God, your faithfulness shines through. Lord, thank you for your reliability. Thank you, Lord, that we can count on you in the deepest, darkest times of our lives. 
that you won't let us down. Lord, help us to rely on you more and more. And as we do, Lord, help us to let others count on us. Help us to be humble and to value others above ourselves, to meet the needs of others so that we can be an example just like you were to us. We pray this all. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.